seen your faithfulness in the darkest night we've seen your goodness god favor on our lives everywhere we go faithfulness in the darkest night we've seen your goodness god favor on our lives everywhere we go your grace is on our side your grace is on our side whatever comes our way Watershed, welcome. Um, I invite you all to stand up and talk to your neighbors. Um, maybe talk about any fun fall things you've done this weekend. There's a lot of fall festivals going on, so. All right, well, hey, good to see everybody this morning. How are you all? Okay, we're mostly good, good, all right. We're gonna invite you to worship with us today. We're looking to Jesus, the King, the one who saved us and rescued us and we get to live life with today. I'm just gonna bring us a psalm this morning to just get our minds and hearts thinking about him. This is Psalm 100 and it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We're going to sing a song this morning called The Lord Our God, and it's an opportunity for us to look to him, to seek him, to set our minds and our hearts on him, and to say, God, when you move, we're going to move with you. God, we look to you. We look to you for the, the, the life that we want to live, the ways that we want to live, the, the commands, the the ways of you we want to align ourselves to today. So we just invite you this morning to sing this out with us, the Lord our God.
to share just a little bit with you today. Um, my faith journey really began when I was in about sixth grade. And I remember I was in a class and they were talking about what Jesus did on the cross. And they handed out this, this paper. It was photocopied in one of the early days of photocopying when it was like everything was super black and, and really scary looking. So I'm seeing all these pictures, right, of the cross and the crown of thorns and the nails, real pictures, the cat of nine tails. And I remember as a sixth grader, my heart was struck, I think for the first time, Jesus encountered me in a powerful way. And I began to start uh, being interested in what this was all about, right? I'd been coming to church. My parents brought me to church since before I was born. And in about sixth grade, I remember experiencing this. That's what Jesus did on the cross for me. Jesus did that on the cross for me. And I remember just having this like enlightened moment going, if that's really his nature, to do something so incredible for somebody like me, this is a person I want to follow. This is a God I want to follow. This is a, a God I'm very interested in knowing more about. And I began my journey right there in sixth grade. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, but I just encourage you, if you haven't experienced Jesus for real, you can reach out to him. You can seek him. You can ask him to show him more of, you, of himself to you. That's our hope for all of us, right? That we would follow Jesus, follow him with all, all of ourselves all of his ways, that we'd make his ways our own. He's the one who came to rescue us and redeem us by paying the penalty that we owed so we can have new life in him. We're going to sing about it today. This is no longer slaves. And it's a reminder that Jesus paid all of us so that we can be adopted into his family and have new life with him. So let's sing this out together.
perfect skill with flawless words could capture all you are no lofty thought no scholar of this world could grasp an inch of such infinity though we cannot comprehend such a mystery just a glimpse of you revealed is compelling us to sing
of heaven cries out, holy, holy, worthy, worthy are you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to rescue and redeem. We love you. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, and we're going to watch this week's The Story video. The Israelites set out on a long desert journey back to their homeland. God guided them with a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. As the Israelites set up camp at the base of Mount Sinai, a dark cloud covered the mountaintop. Thunder boomed and lightning filled the sky. Terrified, the people backed away from the mountain. But Moses climbed up into the dark cloud. The ground began to shake, and God spoke to Moses from a blazing fire on the mountaintop. Here is how my people should live. Don't worship anything but me. Don't misuse or disrespect my name. Set aside a day each week to rest and worship me. Honor your parents. Don't murder, steal, or lie. Live purely and faithfully. Don't lust after someone else's spouse or their possessions. When Moses told the people these commands, they said, we'll do everything God said. On the mountaintop, God gave him stone tablets detailing the laws and commands inscribed by God's own finger. When Moses returned to their camp, he found the Israelites in a wild party, worshiping a golden idol in them. People said, we want to follow a God that we can see. Burning with anger, Moses threw the tablets, breaking them into pieces. Then he ground their idol into powder, mixed it with water, and made them drink it. Moses begged God to forgive his people. God said to him, I'm full of compassion and love and slow to get angry. If my people obey my commands, then I'll show my power through them. After giving Moses a new set of tablets, God said, build a special place for me to live among the people I love. So Moses gathered the very best craftsmen and built a sacred tent called a tabernacle in the center of their camp. When God was present inside the tent, a cloud appeared above it during the day and a pillar of fire at night. When the cloud moved, the people followed and continued their long journey back to their homeland. invite the kids forward to be dismissed for Sunday school. All right, let's pray. 
Father God, thank you for bringing us here this morning. May we just open our eyes and our hearts and our minds this morning to what you want us to hear in this message um, given from the pulpit and also in our Sunday school classrooms. Please watch over us as we go throughout our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. You know you're getting to be a familiar face when I don't even get introduced anymore. That's awesome. My name is Corey Plockmeyer. For those of you who don't know me or don't remember me, um, I am the executive director of Movement West Michigan, which is a local nonprofit that uh, our goal is to be the nervous system of the body of Christ in Holland and Zealand. Just like the nervous system communicates what's happening in one part of the body to the other uh, and helps us coordinate our actions. So if I'm walking, right, my arms, my legs, my torso work in, uh, you know, coordination with each other. That's what we try to do for the church, the capital C Church of Holland and Zealand. Try to say, hey, this is what God is doing in the community at large, and here are some ways that we can collaborate and work together so that we can better live and witness to the good news of Jesus Christ in Holland and Zealand. It's really cool work. I love doing it, but I also love getting to come and preach at local churches and be a part of what God is doing on the ground in local congregations. Before I get into the message this morning, I want to just take a moment and can we just pause and just, I know Aaron's not here, but can we just say thank you to Aaron for everything he does? Let's just give Aaron a round of applause because Aaron is an awesome pastor. And it is such a gift, and I just love, as somebody who gets to come and speak to different congregations, I just love to take a moment and say, he's awesome. He is awesome, and he loves your church. He serves you and this whole Hardawike family so well and with such a big, big heart. And so uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Nobody put, this, put me up to this, but if you get a moment, please, I can tell you, having been on the other side of it, your cards, your notes, Gift cards for dinner for he and his wife. It means the absolute world to a pastor. And so I just want to encourage you as an outside voice to say thank you to Aaron and Kendra for everything they do for Hardaway. Can we just pray for Aaron uh, this morning a moment? God, I just thank you so much for the ways that Aaron pours into uh, Watershed. Thank you for just the hours that he spends studying your word. I thank you for the time that he spends walking through life with the people here at Watershed and the ways that he just lets his life be a model uh, for your church. God, I pray that as he's in Ireland that you would just continue to give him safety, uh, give him safe travels back. May he return just inspired by what you are doing uh, through uh, the church over there in Ireland. And God, I just pray that as he uh, anticipates coming back to Watershed, that you would just give him the strength and encouragement that he needs to live fully each and every day as Watershed's pastor. God, as we turn to your word, you know the message that you have put on my heart. Pray that you would help me to speak it boldly, courageously, without fear, to be vulnerable. God, may my words be yours, not mine. May the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. We all say together, amen. This morning, we're going to jump into the very end of the book of Exodus. 
the very, very end of that story of what happens to God's people in the wilderness, or at least the, the Exodus portion of that account. We're going to look together at Exodus 40, verses 34 through 38. This is what we read there. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Friends, as I read through chapter 5 of the story in anticipation of this week's message, and as I reflected on the story of Exodus, I kept being pulled back to the idea of the presence of God. And to be totally honest, the sermon I'm going to give you this morning is not the sermon I thought I was going to give. See, all week I had this sermon in my head about what I was going to say and what I felt like God wanted me, what, what, I, what I wanted to say. See, there's a beautiful story of the presence of God that we can trace throughout Scripture. Right? It begins with God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden And then we see God's presence in the burning bush and on the mountaintop. And then the presence, the glory of God settles on the tabernacle here at the end of Exodus. And then later on when Solomon builds the temple, that presence of God moves over to the temple. And then Jeremiah sees the temple leave, uh, the presence of God leave the temple and he weeps. But then Jesus is born and when Jesus is baptized presence of God comes and dwells on Jesus and we see this this continuation of the presence of God into the person of Jesus and then when we keep following that story we see the presence of God in the form of fire once again come down on the followers of Jesus at Pentecost and that's where I wanted to get to was the presence of God among the people of God and I had a whole challenge about be the presence of God in the community in the neighborhood was even going to make a little nice little plug about Movement West Michigan and what we do. See, that's what I try to do as a pastor, as a guest pastor, is I deliver a message and then I give a little plug about what I do, right? That's my job. And then God was like, no. It's not the message I have for you today. And usually when that happens, it's because I've been up here in my head I've got the things that I, want, that I want to say. The things I want you to know, I want you to go home and be like, wow, that's so cool. And by the way, that movement West Michigan sounds like a great organization. But as God so often does, it was the voice of my wife who helped me see the bigger picture that I needed to talk about this morning. And so instead of spending the next 20 minutes or so tracing that journey of the presence of God and issuing a challenge to you to go be the presence of God in the world, I want to share a bit of my story. I want to share a bit of my story and how instead of challenging you to go be, I want to invite you, excuse me, challenge you to go do I want to invite you to be. See, I grew up here in Holland. 
and grew up in a Christian Reformed congregation. I grew up riding the bus with some people who worship here. I grew up in youth group with some of the people who worship here. If you wanted the person who could meet the description of what a quote-unquote good Christian boy was supposed to be, that was me. I prided myself on all of the ways that I knew the right things and could do them. You want Bible races, right? Who can get to this chapter and verse fast as I was faster than anybody? You wanted the person who could lay out all of the, the theological framework? I could do that. And by the way, I was also a high school debater, so I could probably do it better. And it took me years. Years to realize that I knew all about God. But I didn't know God. And the heart of the problem was that the picture that I had of God was a God that I could describe, a God that I could delineate, a presence of God that I could somehow control and that I could access intellectually. And if I knew the right things, if I knew the right set of propositions, the right behaviors, that I could live into it and I would experience the presence of God in my life. And the reality is that inside... I was spiritually empty. Inside, I was convinced that I needed to have my life in order. Inside, I was convinced that the only reason, the only way that I could access and know and experience the presence of God in my life, that powerful presence that we see described over and over and over again in the book of Exodus and throughout the Old Testament, the only way I could access that was if I got my stuff in order and lived the right way. You see, I think that's the mistake we tend to make when we think about the Ten Commandments. And the relationship that God has with the people of Israel. We tend to look at the Ten Commandments and think those were the rules that were supposed to be kept. And because they didn't keep them, God punished them and sent them into exile. And it was like God is wagging his finger at them saying, hey, you screwed up. You screwed up again. You screwed up again. You screwed up again and again and again and again and again. And I sat there and said, I keep screwing up so I'm not good enough. And because I'm not good enough, I don't experience the presence of God the way that I want to. And so I tried harder. Studied harder. I memorized the first 37 questions of the catechism before eventually I stopped. Because if I just knew more, if I just tried harder, I would experience the presence of God. And it took my wife and other key people in my life who helped me to see what it was to live in step with the presence of God and more importantly to make space to experience 
presence of God. You see, it's really, there's a, a temptation that we face. If we are trying to experience the presence of God, if we are trying to, to follow Jesus, the mistake that is so easy for us to make is to make it about the list of rules that we keep if we check the boxes, right? And so we fill in that to-do list with whatever it is that we think we need to fill it in with, right? For some of us, maybe it's, I need to read my scripture every day. I need to spend X amount of time in prayer every day. I need to be here at church every single Sunday. Friends, let me tell you something. You don't need to do any of those things. We get to do them. We get to do them, not because by doing them it makes God love us more, not because by doing them we somehow earn God's love, not because by doing them we are going to earn God's presence in our lives, but we get to do them because the God of the universe loves us and wants to be in relationship with us and wants us to be open to his presence. But not as a checklist not as a list of rules to be kept, not as a list of things that we need to do in order to have my life in order. You see, as I reflected on the presence of God and as I reflected on what it was that God was laying on my heart to share this morning, I thought of this uh, fiddle leaf fig leaf that we have above our kitchen sink. That's a, it's an empty bottle of whatever you want to think it is. You see, a fiddle leaf fig tree is an interesting plant. If you cut off the leaf of a fiddle leaf fig tree and you put it into water, I don't know if you can see it well, but it's going to continue to grow roots. And we just moved this from a mason jar into this bottle because as big of a space as you give it, the roots will grow to fill it. You can put it into a giant vat and the roots will grow to fill in the available space. But if I took this, no matter how long the roots are, and I planted it into the ground, you know what would happen? Nothing. It will never grow another fiddle leaf fig tree. All it will ever do is be what we call a zombie leaf. See, the thing about this zombie leaf, the thing about this leaf, is that if you look at it in this jar, it looks like it has all the hallmarks of life. It looks like it's alive and flourishing. It's got roots. It's green. And it has stayed green for the last, like, 18 months that it's been in the jar of water. It looks alive. but it's disconnected from the tree. And because it's disconnected from the tree, it will never, ever grow. See, when I think about the presence of God in the book of Exodus, and when I think about this covenant that God creates with the people of Israel, I think about this fiddle leaf, fig leaf, I think about me. Because I spent 
about the first 30 years of my life, all the way through seminary, as a zombie leaf. I had the appearance of growth. It was green. It looked like there was life and vitality. I had the jar. I had the right container for it. I had the container that said, okay, if I just keep doing the right things, if I do this, if I follow the rules, if I keep my life in order, if I go study at seminary and be a good student, if I do all of these things, then I'm going to look like I'm healthy and flourishing. But the reality is, is that I was disconnected from the vine. Friends, the presence of God is not something that we earn. The experience of the presence of God is not something that we create. The experience of of being fully in union with Christ is not something that we manufacture by being good enough or working hard enough or keeping the right set of rules or having our life look a certain way or having our family all in order or sending our kids to the right school or doing whatever it is that we think we're going to do so that we can make ourselves grow spiritually because if we are trying to make ourselves grow, friends, I promise you that we We are just putting ourselves into a bigger vase. And the roots can grow. And the roots can fill in that space. But if we are disconnected from the vine, if we are disconnected from the source of it all, we will not grow. We may have the appearance of growth. We might keep green for months at a time. we won't grow. You see, when I reflect on the whole of the book of Exodus and the story of the presence of God, what hits me is that when we, underst- when we look at the Ten Commandments, what we see is not a set of rules to be kept, but an invitation for how to respond to a covenant promise. See, the presence of God was already with the people of Israel. That cloud had already been guiding them. That pillar of fire had already been there. The presence of God was with them throughout their time in the wilderness, throughout their journey. The presence of God was always there. And God had entered into this covenant relationship with the people of Israel and said, I am going to be your God and you are going to be my people. And God had entered into that. God had made that commitment. God had made that promise. Not because they kept the law. Not because they put their life in order. Not because they had followed all the right rules and did all the right things. But because God loved them. Because that's who God is and because God desired that relationship with them and because that's just what God does. That relationship was first. That relationship, that covenant, that promise, that, that presence was completely and totally separate from anything that the people of Israel had done. Because the God of the universe said, I'm going to be your God. 
you are going to be my people. See, through Jesus Christ, the amazing good news is that we get to experience the presence of God. We get to have union with Christ. We get to be a part of this bigger story of what God is doing in the world. We get to be a part of that bigger journey of God's presence entering into our lives and then being the presence of God in the world. But how that works, how that functions is not about what we do, but it is about who we are before God. And who we are before God is people who can't fix ourselves, people who can't pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, people who can't put our lives in order on our own, people who as hard as we try, all we're ever going to do is make a bigger jar. But the amazing scandal of it all is that God loves us anyway. God grafts us in to the vine that is Jesus Christ. And then we experience true growth. Not growth that we manufacture. Not growth that we create by what we do. Growth that comes from being. Being a beloved child of God. That's what we sang. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. See, the original arc of this sermon ended with go and do. Go and do. Be the presence of God in the world. Be the one that people look at. Go do. Go do. Go do things so that people see the good news of Jesus Christ. Go do so that people see the presence of God in the world. Go do so that people see that the people of God care and love and want to help people and want to see the world and see the good news of Jesus Christ. Go and do. go and do. Let's sit and be. Be in the presence of the God of the universe who loves you exactly as you are who sees you with all of your faults and all of your shortcomings and all of the things that you're trying to do and all of your fears and all of your anxieties and all of your questions and all of your concerns and all of the things about you that you try to keep hidden from the people around you, all the things about you that you worry about what people would say or think if they knew, God sees all of you and says, I am your God and you are my people. So the invitation for us 
is an invitation to say, how can we create space to hear and feel and see and experience the presence of God? And what I've found over and over again is that creating that space usually means smashing that jar wide open. Because as long as I'm in that jar of thinking that I need to manufacture it, create it, earn it, do something to get it, all I'll do is make a bigger jar. But by the grace of God, and by the people who have been the presence of God in my life, not the least of whom my wife, close mentors, friends. God has smashed that jar wide open. But here's the thing. This week, I was just trying to put myself back in the jar. Because it's the constant temptation. It's the constant temptation as people who follow Jesus. It's the constant temptation of living in the world we do. When I look at the book of Exodus, I see two big tendencies of the people of Israel, and we saw them in that video. The number one tendency is to take what God invites us to do and create it into an obligation, right? God invites us to live our life for him, and instead we create that into the ways that we think we're going to earn God's love. But the second uh, tendency that we see is what the people of Israel did while, God was, uh, while Moses was on the mountain, and that is they take the invisible and try to make it visible. They take the invisible God, they take the experiential of God, and they made a golden calf. Friends, the, the temptation always is to put that definition, to take what we can't see, define, or describe, to take that which goes beyond our words and goes beyond our experience and try to put it into a box and define it. But the mystery of God the mystery of the presence of God is that it is not something we can see. It's not something we can control. It's not something we can define, but we see it in the people around us. We see it in those experiences that we have with other people. We see it in those moments where we just feel the presence of God around us. We see it when we least expect it, but we see it when we pause and we listen and we make space. And that's what worship is. Drew, I love your story. I love the heart that I see in that story. God moving in your heart, saying there's something powerful and wonderful and I just need to share that. Friends, that's what worship is. Worship is about creating that space for us to encounter and experience presence of God. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up, and we're going to sing our last song. But as we sing that, I just want to invite you, close your eyes. If you know the words, sing them out. If you don't know the words, just close your eyes and listen. Close your eyes and, and stop worrying about the people around you. 
Don't worry about who's here and who's looking at you and who's thinking and saying what, because it doesn't matter. What matters is that that moment, that song, is that, that opportunity to say, I am going to offer my heart, O oh God, completely to you. It's a moment to be in the presence of the God of the universe. To be in the presence of the one who loves you exactly as you are. Friends, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, break us of the jars that we create around ourselves and graft us into you. Help us to see your presence, to experience your presence. Help us to, to stop creating checklists and to-do lists and all of the things that we think we need to do in order to grow and help us just to be. Break that jar and invite us in union with you. Break us of the ways and the temptations that we have to try to create and manufacture the appearance of growth and give us true presence. And God, I just pray that in this time of worship this morning, as we, as we sing to end this service, God, I just pray that you would just allow us to close down whatever distractions we have. Allow us to just shut off whatever part of our brain is thinking about lunches that's in the oven or think about the things that we have to do before the work week or think about the homework list that we have or think about all the things that we need to do in order to be better followers of you. Help us to shut all of that off and just be. To be in your presence know that you love us. Not because of what we've done, but because of who you are. Amen. We invite you to stand with us as we sing this song together, and it's just an opportunity for us to say, God, I'm going to have a posture of humility, of surrender, of willingness to lean into you today. So let's sing this out together.
friends, as you go forth from this place, go forth in the power and presence of God. Go with this blessing. Friends, may God go before you to guide you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God go beneath you to support you and behind you to protect you. Do not fear. God is with you, not because you've earned it, not because you've worked so hard, not because you have your life in order, but because of who God is. God is with you. Do not be afraid. And we all say together, amen. Friends, go forth and have an awesome week. If you can take a moment and stack a couple of chairs on your way out, that'd be a huge help.